This is On Target, a look at politics, crime, education, what's happening in Newfoundland and Labrador with the people who know. The views and opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of this station. And now your On Target host, Linda Swain. And good afternoon, everyone. Well, as you may already know, the town of Botwood this weekend unveiled the latest in its series of beautiful murals. The most recent one, They Follow Their Hearts, tells the story of the hundreds of war brides who arrived on Newfoundland shores following the First and Second World Wars. And if you haven't seen that work by uh, Janice Udell, make a trip out to Botwood this summer and uh, have a look for yourself. Loads of beautiful pieces of artwork out there. Well, uh, The war brides in particular were young women, mostly from England, Wales, and Scotland, who met and fell in love with Newfoundland soldiers, sailors, merchant marine, members of the Newfoundland Forestry Unit who happened to be serving in the UK during wartime. Uh, Well, they decided to leave the life that they knew behind and follow their spouses across the pond to a world and a way of life they could never have previously imagined. Some good, some bad. Well, my guest today helped to compile a booklet for the town of Botwood for the occasion, and she's also done extensive research research on war brides in Newfoundland and Labrador. She's none other than a Cornerbrook-based artist, writer, and researcher, Jackie Alcock. Hello. Hi. Well, it's quite the story, the one involving war brides. It's extremely interesting, and um, someone asked me why did I get involved, and I am the daughter of an English war bride, and you really don't realize what a war bride is because mom was mom and it was not until after she died that I actually started to take an interest in war brides. Isn't that something? I mean, you know, your parents are your parents and that's it. You just, uh, you know, come to appreciate life with them and it's not until sometimes after they're gone or uh, when their memories fade that you realize, hey, wait a minute, how come I don't know how you got here? (laughs) Well, it was just a the year 2006 was declared the year, uh, the year of the war bride. And before that, I had just started to go uh, take my visual arts degree. And one of the projects that was assigned was to take one painting and do it on three different surfaces. So I happened to choose war brides. And it was then that I realized how little I knew about war brides. Because... So- Yes, sorry, go on. No, they tell you, and you know, like if you're going to do something, do something you know. And I thought I knew war brides. And then you realized you didn't. No, because mom was an English war bride and there were Scottish, and there are so many different situations, you know, like how did they meet? How did they get here? You know, what was the relationship once they got here? What was the relationship with their family back home? Everything is different for every woman. So what was your mother's experience then that you know? Uh, Mom and dad didn't come over until after the war. Mom was um, uh, had two small children, and she was pregnant. And my father got a telegram saying that my uh, granddad was dying, and uh, would he come home? And they sold their house because mom was promised a, a little house, you know, of her own because granddad was dying. And when they got into Cornerbrook, granddad met them at the wharf. 
So this was a little bit of a move to get them back home. And uh, they ended up living in a very small house. They had a room, I think it was maybe five by seven, for the two of them, their two children, and a pregnant mom. So she had to be a little bit surprised by that, no doubt. Um, She was... Uh, I, I had a, a little bit of a story there that my sister had uh, written when we were doing our uh, our book. We did a family book over COVID, and you know, like uh, it was sort of like it was just culture shock when Mom got here, and she she was from Liverpool. Uh, you know, one of the largest cities in England, and she ended up in Cornerbrook. There was no sidewalks, you know, and uh, the the house that they were living in was like 25 steps down a cliff, 10 steps up, and the bathroom was out back. There was no running water, no heat, you know, like electric heat, none of, none of that. And um, it was, I think, the following week, uh, dead. Uh, Mom packed her bags, left, went to get the train, and about eight hours dead, that, you know, mom had cooled off, so he went down to get her, and uh, she said, no, I'm waiting for the train. Well, he said, Mary, the train came yesterday, and another one doesn't come until next Monday, which is seven days away. (laughs) So the train schedule made her stay. (laughs) Yeah, so it was a bit, you know, a bit different. You know, like in in Liverpool, the trains run every hour, and she thought that maybe after eight hours it was a bit different here. (laughs) (laughs) But she she stayed, and like all the other ones, she adjusted. And, you know, uh, Newfoundland became her home because she was one of the fortunate ones that got a couple of trips back home. But every time she'd come back, she'd say, this changed and that changed. And the the place that she grew up, the school was gone, the church was gone, you know. So then she said to me, you know, like, you can't wish for something because if you got it, what would you do with it? She said, I don't want to go home now. You know, she always wished to go home. And for certain, and a lot of these women, they didn't get those trips until 20, 25, 30 years after the fact. And some of them never got them. Some of them never went home again. It's really extraordinary and quite an adventure for uh, these women. And some turned out pretty good and some didn't turn out that good at all. Uh, and I want to talk to you a little bit about some of their stories and um, the experiences that they had and the experiences of their children. Because, I mean, you had siblings born in the UK. Uh, yes, and uh, that comes into a, a bit of the, the website uh, that I did because I did run the website for 14 years and like some of the uh, I think it was about maybe a thousand pages because there was uh, over 600 war brides and you got a brief history and then each war bride had its page and then you had an art gallery because I created a lot of art for, for war brides and then there was a page in citizenship because where my mom came after the war my mom absolutely loved Jack Marshall he could do no wrong because he helped the war brides so much in getting their citizenship. Isn't that something? Yeah. Yeah, you know, because Canadian citizenship didn't come automatically to a lot of them. Even though they were married to, well, Newfoundlanders at the time. Yeah, they were from England. And this comes into another area of our history, is that 
a lot of people don't realize that Newfoundland wasn't part of Canada during the Second World War. So all the history and all the files that you want to get, they're not, you know, there's no mention of us in the Canadian war history. I gave a talk um, in 2019 in Victoria, um, Salt Spring Island, and a lot of people didn't realize how different our history, Newfoundland's history, was from Canada's history. Because when when we hear about Vimy and we were fighting, the Canadians were fighting Vimy, we were 22 miles down fighting uh, Monty Lapre. And that's, that is a story that there should be a movie made of where 10, 10 people, 10 soldiers held off the British or held off the German army for over 10 hours. Oh, an extraordinary uh, story know, for sure. So, so you, our, our history as Newfoundlanders is, is, has not been combined with the Canadian history. I keep telling everybody, we're this little island out in the ocean and we're so different from, you know, the different one um, from Canada and from the United States that our history is not the same. And it was a big omission for a long time because I remember well, uh, gosh, some years ago when a lot of the children who were born to these war brides in the UK and later came over here and joined their dads and their families, Mm -hmm. um, they got lost in this no man's land. So it wasn't until they hit the age of 65 and realized, wait a minute, why aren't I getting a pension that they realized that they were never recognized. Yeah, my sisters were told, you know, like before you hit 65, about three or four years before start, because it's going to take you that long to get your old age pension. Such an important part of our history. We'll be back right after this. My guest today on On Target is Jackie Alcock. She's a local artist, writer and researcher and a bit of an expert on the war brides. We'll be back right after this. Join us for On Target, one hour in which Linda Swain examines topics that mean the most to you. On Target, weekday afternoons at 1 on your VOCM. My guest today on On Target is uh, Cornerbrook-based artist Jackie Alcock, who's done extensive research on war brides in Newfoundland and Labrador. And Jackie, I know there's so many stories to tell, but are there any common threads in in these women's experiences? Mm -hmm. Well, uh, first of all, if you don't mind, I'd like to go back to the mural. Sure. The the mural is a um, result of the love of a granddaughter for her grandmother. She uh, pressed for this mural. Um, Michelle Elliott owns a beauty salon in Bobwood, and she had this great big area, and she approached the uh, Bobwood Mural Art Society and said, what about war brides? She said, I have the space if you want to do one. And not only did they put out a call for uh, a mural artist, but because it was for the women, they really wanted a female artist to do the mural, which was, I thought, fantastic. And I was really pleased when they got Janice uh, Udell to do it because she did an excellent job. But, I mean, this is uh, most generations now don't even know what a war bride is. And here's a granddaughter that is so taken with her mother, grandmother. And I was so tickled pink when I heard that story. And, you know, you're asking for the thread of different, uh, you know, it, it's basically our men were sent over there. And you got to remember, these men look absolutely handsome in their uniforms. And um, 
Newfoundland men have something about them. You know, like almost all their parents loved these men. They were good, hardworking men. And you have to remember, too, no matter how many people you got, every demographic, uh, you're always going to have good and some not so good. And, you know, so some of the women's got great husbands and some of them got maybe not so great husbands. But you got to remember, too, that PTSD we didn't even know about. And a lot of these men had to come back. I mean, my father alone, I mean, his, he was on three ships that were to- torpedoed and sank. So, you know, every year we knew when those ships went down because of the nightmares that he had. Just imagine so, what know, they saw, what they witnessed, what they experienced. And, and, and like, uh, I never really knew my mother until 9-11, and we were watching it the TV and the towers came down and she reached over and took my hand and she said oh dear what those poor people will see at 18 my mother was an ambulance driver and pulling the people out of the bombed houses in Liverpool so you know you you what the women saw too at home so you have all these things going on uh, you know, you got these these men. Life was like when they asked about the mural um, because a professor of mine gave the uh, society my name, and I called them. I said, you know, you, you should have someone um, showing them when they're young, maybe showing the girls in their uniforms because a lot of them were veterans. And you know, we have um, show them in the uniforms, show them having fun because this, they went to dances and movies and this is where they met their husbands. Some met them outside the movie theater. Some of them danced with them. And, you know, uh, then you have to show the weddings. And a lot of them had wedding dresses, but a lot didn't. And then show them coming to um, coming to Newfoundland, Pier 21. Show them, you know, with their families here. And, of course, Botwood ex- exported a couple of women, you know, uh, actually married uh, servicemen that were stationed in Botwood and went to Canada. And and then you got show the generations because it's been 80 years. And at the dinner, we had a fifth-generation grandchild, great-great-grandchild. Wow. Uh, when you think about it, too, I mean, you, you raised a very important point. Women had such a, an important and active role in the war effort, particularly in the Second World War. I mean, they were doing absolutely everything hands-on uh, and taking care of the country, which was being pulverized at the time. When we're talking about the country, in this case, we're talking about uh, England um, and, and just running the place. Um, and so you'd see these young men coming over to help us. They're here to help us and they're no doubt jovial and no doubt handsome and wearing their suits and all of that kind of stuff and down to earth and that had to you know that coupled with the horror Mm -hmm. of war and knowing that you're under this bombardment all the time and just to meet this fresh breath of air I would imagine really had to be captivating for them. Mm -hmm. If you you want I could give you one line on each of the war brides that are in the booklet. Sure. And that uh, because the there's 18 of them, four of them are World War One, and I can only imagine what Newfoundland was like for them in World War One when they came here. And uh, we have Lily Jewer, and she was a veteran, and she introduced introduced me to the sweetheart pin, and these were pins that were traditionally given to and worn by the wives and girlfriends of servicemen to show their support for their loved ones while they were in service. And sadly enough. 
a lot of them just got killed, and all they had was the pen. Now, Annie Manuel, she was also a veteran, and she started the first Girl Guides in Nora's arms. So that's a whole new life for our little girls coming out. And Ethel, and I mean, Ethel has a portrait there that is just so fantastic. It's something that we don't do anymore, have portraits taken. And Effie uh, Taylor. Now, this is a war bride that I think should be taught about in our schools because she came over with her husband and she worked for the A&D company. She was the first woman to have a pension from that company. And not only that, but her and her daughter uh, helped raise 50 foster children in the community. So, you know, there's just so much that these women gave, and that's the First World War. Then we got Civil Barrett. Now, Civil was a veteran, and she bought dance to her new home, but Civil was also um, a member. She was a, a code, a, de a decoder in World War II, and she was part of the, uh, I don't know if you've read, the Rose Code book, but uh, my sisters and I have a book club, and we were doing this book at that time, and these women were in charge of decoding the messages coming from Germany. So we have our own little spy. Then we got Irene Cooper, and she was a veteran, and I enjoyed her story because she said, he didn't tell me no lies, made me smile because so many did not really understand where they were going to what Newfoundland was like. And as I stally a veteran, her story is that love at first sight. Because all of these, this was just to give you a little bit so you'd want to go in and read their stories. And Minnie Gill, she was good enough to remind me of the parcels sent by grandparents. My grandparents used to send parcels and they had so much tape on them, they weighed more than what was in the parcel because they wanted them to get here safe. And then you got Matilda Hart. Now, Matilda was a lumberjill, and the lumberjills was a part of the land army, and they actually did the uh, lumberman's job in England because uh, Norway had been invaded, and we couldn't they couldn't get wood from there anymore. So there was 80,000 women that worked as lumberjills. Amazing. And Agnes. Yeah, and their story alone, because they were not recognized until a couple of years ago. They got a, a statue in that. And Agnes Hemming, you know, not all lives were, were happy. She lost two young children in a house fire, and that was really, really hard on her, as it would be on any woman. And to have no family there to help you with it. And then we get to Helen, Helen Knight. And uh, there's the boot story and the dog named Jack, because she got a little Scottish cher uh, terrier when she went home from her husband, and that dog was the world to her. And then you got Margaret Landon, the house story, and that's a story about how Newfoundlanders were truly resourceful in getting a home. I, I think the story is they took a barracks and cut it in half, and one family took one half, and they took the other half. And then you got, like, Elizabeth Norman considered England her place of birth and Newfoundland as a, as a home. Irene Reeves, Saturday night was baking night. 
And I remember Saturdays growing up that we weren't allowed to go out until we got any of our chores done. And Isabella Shepherd, like so many others, made Newfoundland her home and never lost her Scottish accent. Gladys Willman, a veteran, like many others, she was a great letter writer. Can you imagine getting your hands on one of those letters just to see what life was like back then? I mean, that would have been fantastic. And then you have the two Newfoundland war brides from Botwood, uh, Robina Arch. And Robina moved over 2,000 kilometers away to Ontario. But later, she actually helped to bring her four sisters to Canada. And Shirley Redding, Shirley moved over 5,300 kilometers away to the prairies, away from the water. I can only imagine how hard this must have been. For the few times I've been away, I've always felt such a relief when I see the water in the rocks of the island. So these women, you know, they all gave so much to this country. And, you know, they all followed their hearts. And that's what, you know, the mural is all about. It's about what happened here. And, you know, like these were excellent stories and there's still more like Anne uh, Bowen in uh, St. John she was a founder of the Rose and Thistle Club and this was this club continued on for over 60 years and I was actually uh, to one of their last meetings and this was a club started by war brides for war brides so they could vent and also they could help out each other if one of them didn't know how to cook or didn't know how to do this because things were done so differently here. And I imagine it was that opportunity for, for it to be with like-minded people say, you know, do you understand like, what's going on with this? And <laughs> Oh my God, did you, did you notice that too? And that kind of thing, that, that, that ability to, to relate, I suppose, because they yeah. had to be coming into families who were like, how come you don't know how to do this? Oh, yeah, you know, like, you got to remember, like, they they had bread delivered to the store. The milk was delivered to the door. You went to the butcher and you picked out the part of meat you wanted. You know, so th- then they come here and they have to learn how to cook in one pot. They have to learn how to make bread, how to make butter, how to, you know, dry fish and do all this. And, like, once the chores were so different because they never ended you know, you, you, you'd start in the kitchen and clean up, then you go to the bedrooms, then you work your way down the hall and out the door. And then when you're out the door, you had to cut the wood because another thing was a lot of these women were left alone a lot because uh, the men, the Newfoundland men worked away. You know, Newfoundland was so different in 1945 and 46 when they came over. I mean, we weren't rich. There wasn't a lot of roads. You know, you worked fairly hard for, you know, very little wage and I want to talk to you a little bit about how you managed to compile some of this information, uh, because it's not just the, the war brides in, you know, of Botwood and surrounding area that you've been, you know, keeping an eye on. You've been doing this, you know, extensively for a number of years. And I want to talk to you a little bit about the difficulties involved in that when we come back after the break. My guest today oh. on On Target is Jackie Alcock, local artist uh, situated in Cornerbrook, and she's done extensive research into war brides in Newfoundland and Labrador. We'll be back right after this. Your VOCM. 2022 ECMA nominee for Media Outlet of the Year. 
And my guest today is Jackie Alcock, who has done extensive research into war brides in Newfoundland and Labrador. And I guess the jumping off point for us today, Jackie, is this uh, mural unveiling in Botwood the other day. But uh, you've done a lot of research into other war brides as well. And it's not always easy going down through the archives and trying to find these women. It's extremely hard because uh, Newfoundland war brides came... They came into Pier 21, and then they also came into different ports of um, call in Newfoundland. And there's no real, um, how do you say, there's no real paper trail to follow because, like, when they uh, arrived or when they traveled, they were all under their husband's name. So you you even lost your names there. It would have been, uh, like, um, say, like Isabel Shepherd would have been Mrs. Shepherd. And there would have been four or five Mrs. Shepherds on that boat. So how do you even know which one is which? And uh, a lot of people didn't even know women were war brides or what war brides were. And if you came in through Pier 21, at the time I did the book, you had to, if your mother was not alive, you had to wait 80 years to get her information because it's considered war information. Amazing. So a lot of these records were closed to you? A lot of them were closed, and, like, people would, you go to Pier 21, I got my mom's records, but I'm with mom with three or four other ones, so that would give me a hint. So I was calling, you know, town councils, I was calling numbers in the phone book, I was sending out emails, I was going to allegiance every time we stopped somewhere, I'd go to allegiance and ask if there was any war brides and that, because uh, when we were in Lewisport, we were to... Uh, actually to a funeral and I asked uh, you know if anybody there knew of any war brides and one of the women who was about you know in her 40s said what's a war bride so then I sort of knew that we had to do something because it it, it actually all goes back to the year 2006 the year the war bride and Cornerbrook wanted to do something for the 24 war brides here so Kathy Elliott asked me to put together these information sheets so we put those together and so I started with the 25 Cornerbrook war brides and then I've reached out and uh, to date now there's over 600 but the 18 war brides that were in the Botwood booklet there's only four of them that was on my website so there's still an awful lot more of them missing and when I was talking to some they said well there was war brides that lived in Labrador City and I said well I haven't got anyone from Labrador City you know so everybody's still giving me a little bit of a name and then you you uh, research it and see what you can get and see if it's possible because you can't go to Veterans Affairs and ask them so you know it's you have to find it out by somebody contacting you. And I guess there's always that fear that you've you've missed someone. Oh, I know I've missed someone. And, you know, like uh, right now, because we're only at 600 and there's supposed to be 800. Now, you got to remember, some of them did go back home because you got to remember that these women married these men in the height of war, you know, and they were handsome. And when they came back here and they're getting off the ship and they're looking down there, they cannot pick out their husbands because they're, some of them haven't seen them for two or three years. And then when you're looking at them, they're fishermen now. And they're not in their uniforms. Yeah, the context so, is gone. The context is uh, completely the gone. Con- uh, you know, and you're trying to figure out 
and this guy's been looking after himself for the last couple of years. So, you know, it, it's um, some of them were some of them did not get off the boat. <laughs> And of course, you know, you think about connections and, and, and communication at the time. I mean, we didn't have social media like we do today or instant messaging or any of that kind of stuff that you can see and stay in contact with somebody. You get sporadic letters, I, I imagine, if that. Uh, and you might have one picture of them in their uh, military uniform, and that's it. Yeah, and the, the like the Han sisters here in Cornerbrook married, uh, well, they were two sisters that married the Han brothers from Cornerbrook. And they were Scottish, and they met, and the two of the brothers were shipped off to Africa, and they didn't, one got married while they were there, and the other one was younger and didn't get married till after the war, but they didn't see those men for three years. They were shipped off, you know, right after the wedding. Yeah. So, you know, one night of romance and gone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, you know. That's not a lot to hold on to. No, I, you know, and that's a lot. And a lot of that kept a lot of the men alive, just having that picture of their sweetheart. Yeah. It's Dad a yeah. mom's picture all around the world. Well, they were special women, that's for sure, because as you pointed out, I mean, you're coming from, a lot of these women were from well-established urban centers. Uh, they had uh, access to electricity and indoor plumbing and all of those things, and then suddenly they're coming to a tiny little community, to a home cut out from the woods, so to speak, uh, and uh, to a, a man who's um, on the water all the time. I, I, w I went through... Uh some of the war brides stories in that yesterday and there was one there uh mary wheaton she was a scottish war bride and she followed her husband dick to bradley's cove that's near carbonier and that year she went with him to the labrador fishery where she was a cook <laughs> now that's a lady with guts oh for you sure know. <laughs> i know enough about the trips to the labrador to know that that was not an easy thing to do <laughs> and um, that's not easy for people who are even used to that no, and, and some of them were lucky because uh, some of them got farm girls, and that worked out well because they knew how to do, you know, how to keep a garden and stuff like that. But one of the major things, too, that was a big deterrent and, uh, and caused a lot of problems in people's life was religion. Because when you're in love, you didn't ask if you were Catholic or Protestant. And it wasn't until the wedding you said, I do, and you find out, what, you're Catholic, I'm Protestant, you know. And, of course, the war yeah. changes all that anyway. Who cares anyway? We're all going to, you know, there's people dying nope. all, all around us. We're going to grab onto the little bit of joy that we've got. Yeah. Uh, so that's cares. not in your mind. But when you come back home to all the old regimented, rigid kind of rules, it's different. Yeah, because one, uh, one soldier wrote that his father thought he was the best son that he ever had because he brought home a girl and she changed the religion so he had converted a soul. <laughs> so that made him even more of a hero. It's, yeah. yeah, it's, it, you know, it's easy to laugh about it now, but it was, it was a real thing in Newfoundland and Labrador at one time. It was, you know, it, it ruined lots of lives. And not only that, but it wasn't until I was reading some of the stories that I, because you forget things, right? And uh, one of them was saying that, uh, she was British, and she came to an Irish family. They were not happy that he, she was a British wife. 
yeah, that had to be tough. You know, these things we seem to forget about, but these women had so much, you know, like there were so many little stories there. Like one came, uh, one, I know the story of one guy, his best buddy got killed and he went and visited uh, the widow and she had two small children and I guess he started helping out and they fell in love and he bought her home as his wife and his family was not happy that they had the two children and that she had been married before. So that caused them a lot of grief in their relationship. And they weren't always welcomed, um, you know, across the board anyway, uh, coming to, you know, uh, men had been away for so long, a lot of women here working very hard, and their boyfriends or people that they thought were their boyfriends coming home with a new woman. Oh, that was a major problem. And you got to remember that some of them... um an awful lot of men were killed and a lot of communities lost a lot of so the few men that were left and that were coming home were bringing home wives so there was no wife you know no husband for the women that were left in the community and that was survival for people at the time yes you know again we can laugh at those kinds of mores but the, they uh, that was a- actual survival if you weren't able to set up a household with a, with a partner you you had a hard go of it and another thing, one thing that might have been a bit better for the women coming to Newfoundland and the women that were actually left behind was a lot of these women were in the forces. They were working. They were, you know, as soon as the war ended, all those women got laid off. They were expected to go home and have babies. Another hard pill to swallow. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, they, they kept the country running. And then all of a sudden, because the men were coming home. They were delegated as second-class citizens. And they actually brought in immigrant workers to take their place because they didn't have enough men coming home, but the women were not allowed to work. Yeah, a lot of resentment there for sure, I would imagine. Um, my guest today on on Target is Jackie Alcock, a local artist based in Corner Brook, of course, and she's done extensive research into war brides, and we're talking about war brides because they just unveiled a great mural in Botwood to war brides, and the many war brides that came over here made a successful life of it and have loads and loads of descendants to talk about it today. So when we come back, I want to talk to you about uh, some of those stories and how people might be able to get a hold of you if you're interested in collecting more stories right after this. You're busy, but you'll never be uninformed. Get up to date on the way home. The Drive on your VOCM. Jackie Alcock of Corner Brook is my guest today. She is an artist, a writer, and researcher, and she's done some extensive work on war brides. And no doubt, Jackie, but people are listening to this, uh, there are a lot of children and grandchildren of war brides out there whose mothers and grandmothers haven't been formally recognized. How can their stories be told and preserved? What should they do? Well, um, well, the booklet for me was like a volunteer project, so I put a lot of my stuff on hold while I was working on it because it, we had it finished three times um, as people found other war brides. And my website has been down for about three years now uh, because uh, I had a lot of eye trouble, and so I couldn't see, so I shut down the site. And... Um, I was hoping to have it up for the war brides, but I never got around to it. 
um, it's all done in Dreamweaver, which means it's all done in code. And it has uh, an awful lot of, uh, how do you say, things happen because we did an upgrade on the computer and lost everything. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> it, it, it does not accept my Dreamweaver anymore. And now you have to pay for Dreamweaver. Whereas before, like when I had all my art projects or, or um, art uh, programs, I didn't have to pay for them. But now, like, I kept telling Trudy, Trudy, get to work to me because I'm going to lose Photoshop. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, well, Photoshop that's one of the difficulties, now. isn't it? Uh, you know, you yeah. sort of outgrow the technology, so to speak. But uh, if if somebody is in a community today and, you know, they know that, that Nan or, or their mom was a war bride and maybe their name and face should be remembered, you know, what's the first step? Should they go to their local town council office and just say, hey, you know, I thought it'd be nice to do something like this? Or, you know, um, are there ways to remember? They they could do that because, like, I had the site and I have all this information and I offered it to different organizations, the government, uh, you know, like um, the university and things like this, and nobody was interested in it. So I still have it all here, and I was thinking about putting it back up. So if they want to contact me, they can, and we'll put it all together. And I was basically going to start, like, doing, like, a little encyclopedia with the A's, the B's, and C's in one book like that because uh, I don't think there's any self-published book that goes up 600 pages. So. <laughs> that's a lot of that's a lot of information, and like you say, now there's no doubt that you've forgotten some along the way or missed some along the way, not through a lack of effort on your part, but because you know it's simply difficult to get that kind of information unless somebody comes forward and says, "Yeah, my grandmother was a war bride. Her name was such and such, and this is where she was from, and this is when she came over." That's the only way you're going to get it because, other than my site, there's no other. Uh, place where you can get information on Newfoundland war brides. And like when I had it up, I had an awful lot of people commenting me. I, I put six families back together because, you know, not everybody wanted their daughter to leave Scotland and come over here. And they would say, well, you know, there was one family where they disowned the daughter and they weren't allowed to mention her. And it wasn't until after the father died that they actually uh, were able to contact me and unfortunately the Warwick bride had died the month before. Oh dear. But her families, the families got together and they got to meet their cousins. So, you know, like, and all that's got to be done, you know, like, uh, you know, I, I go through one to the other because sometimes you don't want people to be scamming someone or something like that. So you have to handle the information with, you know, a lot of care and you got to watch now how much information you actually put up there because I just put the names of the children I don't put their dates or anything no, like that because, no indeed you know, yeah. you know so um, I actually was told that I would get in trouble because I had used some of the obituaries just to get information from and that, things like that but, uh, you know, I, I look at my website was like a starting point for someone to do their family tree because so many people didn't know that their grandmoms were war brides, didn't know where in England or Scotland they were born. And we have war brides from England, Scotland, Wales, France, uh, 
there's one or a couple there from, uh, I'm trying to remember the name of the country now. I can't. But we there, there's actually one more bride on St. Pierre, which was really interesting that I, that I found her. Wow. Jackie, we're completely out of time, I'm afraid to say, but uh, it's been a fascinating conversation, no doubt, a big part of our history that uh, uh, really should be celebrated. And um, I'm so glad that there is a mural now in Botwood that people can see that for themselves, especially those who have war brides in their family and just want to see it and know that they're not alone. There's a, a whole experience out there, lots of other families in uh, a similar boat, so to speak. So, uh, Jackie, thank you for your time this afternoon. Really appreciate it. Okay, thank you. Alrighty. And we'll be back tomorrow. Join us then. Uh, do enjoy your day, and thanks for listening.